Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories and real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, Episode 20, A Season for Building. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man. That's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories, their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. Today we have Spencer Palmer joining us. I didn't even say that right, did it? Is it Palmer? <laughs> Palmer, yeah, that's right. Palmer. Like the golfer. Palmer. All yeah. right. We have uh, today we have Spencer Palmer joining us. This uh, the way I met Spencer was when he spoke at twenty eight twenty and he gave his testimony, um, and he's been on an amazing faith journey. And we thought um, that it would be good to have him in today. And uh, I, he he had so so much encouraging words to say at 2820 when I heard him we you know we wanted him to share that on and with the unbroken jars community unfortunately Randy is not here with us today he is out with this uh the the pandemic uh epidemic COVID that is everywhere but uh Randy said go ahead and go forward he wanted he wanted us to get Spencer's uh uh podcast out there so I want to thank you Spencer for taking the time join in uh with me today yeah and no, i appreciate you having me on um i'm honored to be here and just uh, anytime you get to talk about just you know the redemptive power of god and his goodness and his mercy and grace you know it's just uh makes for a great day uh and just so thankful for what you guys do you know meeting you guys at 2820 and uh just you know i i try and stay off the news and in social media and stuff and so I'm I'm generally in a good mood, and people are like, Why, like, how can you be in a good mood? And I was like, man, if, you, if you'll just get out there right. and see all the good that's going on. Like, I didn't even know you guys existed, you yeah. know, three months ago. But right. now just the the positivity that you've brought in my life and the, the encouragement that you guys have been to me, and there's just so much good out there. You just got to get out there. Right. So you... I heard it. I heard it said once. You you got to experience life, not watch life. Oh, exactly. And so many people are watching life on social media, and they're like, "Oh man, this and that." But you can actually experience life. But tell us a little bit about you. Tell us your family growing up. Uh, I know you're you're married now, recently married, and uh, your age, and kind of fill us in on on your background a little bit. So I'm 30. Uh, years old, um, so officially old now, I guess. Move, <laughs> moving a little slower. I guess that um, depends on perspective. Yeah, perspective's <laughs> everything. Yeah. Um, but born in Huntsville, Alabama, and my claim to fame is I'm the dumbest person in Huntsville, Alabama. So I'm one of those people that's actually from Huntsville, you know, but everyone's so smart. Yeah, and I, really I, I majored in history in college and coached college basketball, and so I'm a coach. So, you know, I, I'm not the norm of Huntsville, even though I'm from Huntsville. 
but grew up in a pastoral family. Uh, my dad's a pastor, granddad's a pastor, and both my uncles are pastors. So a lot of people say um, I was at church when the doors were open. Well, we were the family opening the doors for yeah. those people to get in. Yeah, you, you were know, unlocking Yeah, it. we were unlocking yeah. the doors. So really grew up um, in a pastoral family with a, an awesome dad. Um, he, he has a great story in himself. You know, when he was 14 years old, he got in a bad car accident, and it killed his parents instantly. Oh and one of his sisters, you know, passed away from the injuries and he was all banged up too. And so he had a tough life and, you know, he, he grew up with a military dad, you know, and, and, um, he was a pastor. So him raising me was interesting. Um, he was very hard on me, but you know, so the, the love that I received from him was more of a discipline. There right. wasn't much relationship. Right. Um, and that's just how I grew up. And I thought that was normal. Um, so that started, and I, I share with you that because that started kind of my view on God. Sure. Um, was that that's what God was. But then I had this mom who's like the softest, most tender-hearted, caring human of all time. Like I think a gift that doesn't get talked about a lot is the gift of hospitality. But, you know, you look at Jesus' life, and he, he was always eating with people. Right. And he, he just, you know, he was very hospitable, and she just has that gift. And so I learned um, kind of lion and lamb, you know, yeah. type stuff from them. but. Um, so grew up, went to Madison Academy, played college basketball at UAH, coached for a little while. And then I, I met my wife now, Hannah, um, and she's just awesome. You know I mean? She is, I have way out kicked my coverage. You know I mean? She is just, she's amazing. And she's a first grade teacher at a spark Academy in Athens. So you just stop right there. You know, if you're yeah. a teacher right now through the last you know 22 months, however long it's been, you just have a, a grace gifting from God. You know, because I, I went into her classroom for like five minutes one day, and I was like, yeah, I'm out. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, um, that's so. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's no, there's not enough respect to teachers. No. I, uh, when I had kids, I thought I would kill these things. Oh, yeah. If they were in my class. You know, I think God, God gave us to them for a, a specific reason, and that's so that we could learn patience, I think. But mm-hmm. um, so... One of the things that, that would be interesting, the large part of this community will know, you you mentioned playing basketball at MA. Um, so were you on one of these state championship teams, or were y'all close? I was. You one of the close teams. I was. So when I was a freshman, um, and I know it don't look like it, but I could play basketball back in the day. Um, really, I could just shoot. <laughs> that, that was it. Um, but when I was a freshman, we won state, and then my sophomore and junior year, uh, we lost in the state championship. Um, and then my senior year, we weren't great, but – um, I, I was a part of that run with Coach Blackston. Yeah. I mean, it, it was so much fun. Um, I, I had a blast. Um, actually, the weird thing, though, I grew up playing baseball. So I didn't even like basketball growing up. I loved really? baseball. Yeah, man, baseball to me was everything. And I just I wanted to be Derek Jeter. Um, I modeled my game after him. Um, I, I could say I did that. It's a joke because I couldn't hit home runs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so – um, but I just I loved baseball. I don't yeah. I don't know. I, I played for Coach Joe Bob. You know, if there's any more Southern name than Coach Joe Bob. That is <laughs> that is, is for sure a Southern um, name. Yeah. Um, but he was my little league coach and just had such a great experience. You know, we we kind of for those in the sports world, especially baseball world, like I was on the beginning end of that travel baseball craze. Yeah. They kind of took over. Oh, it's still and, very and now prevalent. It's, yeah. Now it's just a monster. Nuts, yeah. Um, but we were somewhere every weekend mm-hmm. and man, those are some of my best friends and just some of the best memories that I had. And so I just loved baseball, but for whatever reason, I think when I was in middle school, it started really random. I got my dad to start dropping me off at Dublin in Madison. Mm-hmm. And I started just playing basketball 
And I just I loved it. I just I just grew to love the game. It was fast paced. It was fun. I liked the environment. And so that kind of started my love with basketball. So it wasn't until middle school. Yeah, it really wasn't until middle school. So in this this obviously played a longer part of your life. Tell us because you played in the, even in the college, correct? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to be able to earn a scholarship to go play basketball at UAH for Coach Acuff. And sports were everything in my life. You know, I went to church and played sports. And that, that was really my life. I mean, that's kind of sad to say sitting here as a 30-year-old, but, I mean, really, I, I grew up in such a bubble. And if people out here that are listening to this went to Madison Academy, they'll understand it. Yeah. So I went to Monrovia. That's where my dad was pastoring the, the pastor at. And so our youth group all was went to Madison Academy. Yeah. And so we, just, we did everything together. So I didn't even know another world existed. Yeah. You know, that was just – that was my bubble. And – I was able to grow into it and thrive into it and had a ton of people pouring into me and, you know, really thought I was equipped to step out into the real world. Mm-hmm. And even though that step was about 100 yards to UAH, yeah. it still was out of my bubble. And so, you know, I went, went to – I can remember my first day on campus, you know, and just eyes kind of, whoa, <laughs> this is different. This is not Madison Academy. And I walked right. into a biology class with like 150 people. Well, I graduated with 60 people. You know, so this, this was just a totally new environment sure. for me. And, you know, then just got kind of swept up by the college life. Yeah. You know, there's the, like I talked about earlier, you know, my view on God was a very disciplinary, you know, rules and harsh. And then I got in this environment where, you know, it was kind of you do you, you know, the your truth. Right. And if it, if it feels good, do it. And so just got swept up in that throughout college. So, um, it's interesting that it, t- two things are interesting in, the, in what you're saying, and one is that the, the the bubble that you were surrounded with, you know, as uh, I've worked in college ministry for a long time, and I've seen that bubble. I've watched it even transitions into college too. Christian colleges, you know, a lot of people go from a Christian school to a Christian college, and that bubble just extends a little bit further, and then it 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 kind of you experience life on the backside of that, and you don't realize, holy cow, there's there's real life outside of this. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, some Sometimes there's crashes that go with that. Um, and sometimes it's just figuring out things. Um, but so, so you played... Did you play all four years? Well, actually, five years. Um, five so years. So I was say, you know, if you graduate in four years, like leaving the party at 10, yeah, you know, you got, you got to extend that thing out. So I, I redshirted my first year... And, um, you know, which was great because uh, for basketball fans in Huntsville, if you remember Coach Acuff, you know, we we ran a system and it took about a year to really learn that system. And so it was great for me um, getting to just sit back and and learn basketball. And and really, you know, I I thought I loved basketball in high school, but I really fell in love that first year in college just with a game because, man, it was just so much fun. You know, just the the systematic – way that we played and the style we played and we were winning, you know, there's no secret oh, yeah. to that, you know, win, winning's fun. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. That does not hurt. Yeah. Um, it just, it really got to, um, around just kind of like-minded people as far as like they love sports. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we, we would, I mean, man, my college experience was just outside of the, the alcohol and we'll get into that later. But I mean, think about this week. So Monday through Friday, I would go to school sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't, yeah, just sometimes. Um, but we'd practice, 
you know, we, we'd be hanging out playing video games. And then like, I went, who, who does this? I went to college with like 12 people on our team love to play golf. So like every Saturday morning, we would get like eight people who go out and play golf at Municipal Golf Course, you know, that used to be out yeah, there. Yeah. And then we watch college football all afternoon. It's a you know, rough it, life. It's a tough life. Yeah. You know, someone's got to do it, kind of like you in your life. You know, yeah. so, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to go skiing with the, the young professionals right, and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just such a, a, a good experience um, for me in that regard. Mm-hmm. So, so part of what you mentioned in here, too, was that, you took everything that there was of the college life and, and some of that, and you mentioned just now the, the drinking. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you mean by you took everything that the college life had to offer. Yeah, so, um, you know, went to college, and I, I really was like, – I was shy. I was so shy when I was a kid. And, man, I got, I got labeled, and I remember when I was like eight years old, you know, my dad being a pastor, you know, if you're a pastor's kid or um, the kid of someone who's involved with the church – I had to go lead a prayer on Sunday night. And I remember I got on the stage and I was like shaking. I mean, I just started physically shaking. I was like, I will never do that again. (laughs) You know, because, and, but so many people, I was just so shy. Yeah. But, and I got to college and I was like, I don't know how to meet people. And it's weird. I'm only 30, but like Instagram wasn't a thing yet. Snapchat, all that wasn't a thing yet. And it really, I mean, you really, you had to go to parties or had to go to different events to really get to meet people and be around people. And you actually had to see people. You actually had to see people, which was weird. Um, (laughs) and so I I was doing that and, you know, I'll never forget the first time I I drank, you know, I I didn't know anything about drinking. Um, so we were playing a drinking game and I probably had six or seven beers. Well, the first time you drink, that's way too much. And I got drunk, you know, and, but when I was going through that process of getting drunk, I started not being shy. And I started oh, yeah. kind of liking the sure. person that the drinking made me. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, I was funny, you know, and I, in this all in my head again, I was yeah. not actually funny, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but I, I thought I was funny and sure. cool. It took down the walls. It, it took down the walls. Right. Yeah. And so it was a, an avenue for me to get to be somebody that I thought people liked. Mm-hmm. And so that was really where it, it started. So how did, how did you balance that in basketball? Well, everyone was doing it. Um, and we were obviously, I mean, this is a horrible word to use, but responsible (laughs) to to an extent, like, you know, it wasn't something we were doing, um, before games or, or or anything like that. You know, it was weekends and Mm -hmm. after wins and stuff like that. And then, you know, as my years progressed, the more frequent it became and the more, I mean, this is so sad to say, but like you, you look at your week, um, on, on Sunday, and you start mapping out the days. Well, I can drink this day and this day and this day because yeah. maybe practice is in the afternoon or maybe we have an off day. So I mean, my my whole college existence turned into really living for the weekends and you know around when can I drink? When can right. I go out? Yeah, and it's sad to say, but that's where it got to. It, it, it's interesting. Did you know at the time? So, so you 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 at least recognize at some point along the way that this made you more comfortable. Did you recognize that at the time or is this hindsight looking back going, you know what I realize now it made me more comfortable. Yeah. I recognize it in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. definitely hindsight a little more, but in the moment, um, I definitely knew that this was making me more outgoing. And all of a sudden I became like, like the guy who was the ringleader of it. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about God. Like your gifts don't go away just because you're not using them. Yeah. Like, man, I, I was like the guy that was getting everybody together. Yeah. Like, I was the hype guy. You know, I was the yeah. dude that was in tar- charge of the music, man, getting everybody going. Like, yeah. I, because I just, 
and I've, you know, thought about this for a long time and how to articulate this, but it's because deep down in my, my spirit, you know, my heart, I wanted people to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought like, if I could, this is what having a good time in college is. Right. And so like, I just want everybody to be a part yeah. and have a good time. But I was using that gift for obviously evil. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend one time that said he had a guy pull him aside and say, you're a great leader. The problem is you're just leading people the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sounds like what you were experiencing. Oh, it's yeah. like hey, you, you, you had these leadership, God gifted talents that God had set you up with. It's just that you would realize, Hey, I'm comfortable here and I want, I want everybody in on this. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I'm assuming you, you said you played five years. So you, you at least somehow managed that at, how did you manage this with church? balance life with uh, obviously you grew up in a pastoral family what what was that like was that a hidden process so we're all actors yeah <laughs> you know we, yeah. we all are well i i became the greatest actor i i could have won a golden globe whatever it is sure, about sure, grammy you know sure. i would i would have won it um because i knew exactly what to say and yeah. what to do to let people know that hey you know he's probably struggling a little bit but just a typical struggle that college kids go through yeah um, and, and he, here's what I would really do that was, it's just hard to look back on is I would let people help the version of me I wanted them to see. Yeah. And so God, God can't help who you're pretending to be. Mm-hmm. People can't help who you're pretending to be, but that's what I was doing. I was pretending to be somebody living this lie mm-hmm. and pretending to be somebody that was hurting a little bit, you know, but kind of figuring it out and I would let them help that person. Right. But really I knew that that, that wasn't really who I was. Sure. At what point? At what point you're like, holy cow, is this even me? Did, did that ever hit? Or mm. tell me the turning point for you. So, well, the there's there's two big turning points. Yeah. Um, one was, well, one should have been a turning point, but wasn't. So I graduated college and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I wanted to coach, and so I jumped into you know, Coach Acuff was just amazing and still is amazing now. I love that guy. And he said, why don't you be the graduate assistant here? Yeah. And just try it out, figure it out. So I did that for about six months, you know, so I I graduated in May Mm -hmm. and spent the summer doing that. And I I, I never liked school. And so I had to get my master's at UAH, which I didn't even know what I wanted to do. (laughs) Um, So that was difficult. And then like trying to coach the guys that I was just playing with, it was just a tough balance. And so at Christmas we had this conversation and he was like, um, I was like, I got this opportunity to sell insurance down in Birmingham. And he's like, I think you should take it. So I told you how important I was to the staff that in Christmas, you know, he, he let me go. So like the middle of our season, he let me go. So I obviously was not too important <laughs> to the, the ongoing. Yeah, you should really go down here and sell insurance. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a good yeah, idea. Just get as far away from my program <laughs> as you can. Um, no, but so I took that opportunity. And I, I'll never forget, we made the, I was horrible at insurance. I couldn't sell water to a man in the desert. Like I was horrible at it. I just could not sell. But I finally made a sell in February and, and I, we went out in Birmingham celebrating, you know, whatever. Sure. Only problem, I lived in Huntsville. And so I had to get back home. Well, I made up this lie to my friend and said, hey, I'm going to go to my mom's house in Birmingham, spend the night there, and then I'll, I'll drive home in the morning. Mm-hmm. Well, rewind back to my freshman year of college. The first time I drank in college, I drove mm-hmm. and got away with it, you know. And so that, that it was just it was nothing to me. Mm-hmm. 
And so I get in my car, pass the exit to my mom's house. Like it's just an hour to Huntsville. We'll just do it. Well, uh, probably 30 minutes into the drive, fall asleep, pass out, whatever, doze off and smash into the back of an 18 wheeler, you know, going about 90 miles an hour and had to get med flight to the UAB. And, you know, if, if you could see a picture of the truck, you would think, well, whoever was driving that's dead. Right. Um, but I walk out of the hospital six hours later with a concussion and an angry dad because they had called my parents. Sure. Um, but at the time, my parents didn't know um, that I had been drinking. Mm-hmm. Well, like two weeks later, when the hospital records come home, my parents right. find out I'd been drinking. You can only imagine what I've told you about my dad. Sure. Uh, there was not much grace there. We'll just put it like that. Yeah. You know, the grace and truth that Jesus talks about, I got all truth. <laughs> um, There's no grace. Um, so just being the stubborn, you know, young adult that I was, I was like, well, I'll prove you wrong. You know, and, and again, like this theme is I, I thought I got away with it. Yeah. You know, and so I went to Coach Acuff. Um, he's kind of my outlet guy. And there was his best friend, one of his really good friends, was getting a job in St. Augustine, Florida at Flagler College, which it gets voted top 10 prettiest college campuses in America. It's on the beach south of Jacksonville. Yeah. Was getting that job. And he said he's looking for an assistant. And, you know, if I tell him about you, he's going to he's gonna love you because you he wants to kind of do what we're doing here at Huntsville. Mm-hmm. And so I got in that accident in February. In May, I'm coaching basketball on the beach in Florida. You know, so by all means and all things, you know, I, I did get away with it. Yeah. Or so I thought. It seems that way. It yeah. seems that way. And so fast forward a year and a half after that, I'm back in Huntsville. Coach Hickoff's hired me back. Mm-hmm. And Coach Hickoff gets the Lipscomb job. I know I'm throwing a lot of names out there. It's not really important. <laughs> but Coach Shulman comes in. We're here. And then it's, you know, November of 2019. Mm-hmm. And – you know, I'm over to a friend's house drinking, you know, we're just at this point, you know, I, I'm just drinking to whether just because of the day, whether sure. it's a good day, bad day, whatever it is, just drinking. Just the end of the day. Just the end of the day. Right. So over at one of my friend's house drinking, I decided it's time to leave, uh, get my car, going home on Research Park and a, a car swerves over to kind of get in front of me to merge on. I try and miss it, flip my car 10 times. And, you know, this time I didn't get away with it. You know, I, I broke my neck, um, cracked a few ribs, punctured a lung, and shattered my right leg. And I don't remember much about the accident, thank God, but I, I do remember them pulling me out of the ditch and getting me into the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And I really thought in, th- in that moment, I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to survive. Right. You know, I'm just in so much pain. And, and I remember asking the, the paramedic, you know, am I going to make it? Yeah. And he said, you're losing a lot of blood. We got to get you to the hospital. And I'm cold, you know, just, uh, I can't really describe the feeling. Um, but I remember thinking in that moment, how does someone who had every chance in life to be successful, grew up with an amazing family, mm-hmm. an amazing support group, and that God is just blessed for no reason, you know, and, and how, how am I here? Yeah. And how, how am I in this ambulance headed to the hospital you know how am I here well I go through that process wake up you know the um the doctors come in tell me what's happened and you know they say you know we're probably gonna have to take your leg um and if we don't you're not gonna walk and so 
I go into surgery not knowing if when I come out of surgery, I'm going to have a right leg or not. Yeah. And the impact that that had on me at the time was, man, I was an athlete. Yeah. You know, this is who I am. You know, yeah. I'm, sports is my life and you're about to take my leg. Um, and so they, they do the surgery and they actually found that there was going to be more, there was more nerve and muscle um, still left intact that they didn't want to remove it. But they did tell me, like, hey, you're not going to walk. Um, and if you do, it's going to be with some kind of insert and crutch. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I walked in here today yeah. to come record this podcast and by the grace of God. Um, but what I learned was, you know, because a lot of people that were trying to pour into me and they were pouring into me said, hey, you know, this thing's finally caught up to you. What I've learned is no, 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 no. I mean, maybe physically it did catch up to me finally. But spiritually, I had died a long time ago. Yeah. You know, it, it had caught up to me so long ago spiritually. And that is where I found myself at, um, at the beginning of 2020 when COVID hit. was like, what do I do? Yeah. Where, where do I go? Like, I, how? Yeah. That was my next question. Mm-hmm. I was really interested to know. <coughs> so you have, you've had this huge wreck. In theory, in theory, this is shaking to the core, but you've already said you were almost dead inside. It felt like. Mm-hmm. So, what did you do? How? Wh- where? Where do you go from there? <clears throat> well, um, ashamedly to say, it was um, whatever holiday it is. I guess Memorial Day weekend. Now, this is kind of, you know, COVID was in March, mm-hmm. May Memorial Day weekend. I have no idea what I want to do with my life or where I want to turn and. I'm fighting those battles that I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have fought. Like, I don't even want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has been taken away from me. Um, and I, I understood it was my own fault, but that didn't make it any better. Um, and so I'm sitting there with a, a drink in my hand on Memorial Day weekend. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? And so I get home um, that Sunday night, and that Monday I wake up, and um, – one of my friends calls me and said, hey, you may want to go to AA with me. Uh-huh. Just try it. And I remember, you know, I'm still recovering physically from this accident at this point. And I remember my friend having to help me down, limp down the stairs of a Catholic basement to go to an AA church or an AA meeting. And like, how in the world am I here? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm depressed, anxious, lost, hopeless all those negative emotions and thoughts that you want to, that's where I am. Like, how did I end up here? Yeah. And I go in that basement and the people start talking and it sounds weird and weird to say, but as soon as I, it got to me, it's like, my name is Spencer Palmer and I'm an alcoholic. I felt a little better. I, I can't, I can't describe why. I mm-hmm. mean, I know the spirit of God, but for some reason I felt just a little bit better. And I was like, man, I'm just going to just try a week. Yeah. And then after that first week, I'm like, let me just try two weeks. Yeah. Then about a month into it, I mean, that, that you know, the blindness that Jesus talks about, like some of that started to fade away. Yeah. And I started to have some hope again. So I started reaching out to some people and specifically a guy named Taylor Edge, um, who I actually now work with, crazy story. Um, and we just, we just started meeting. And, and here's what I found out. Like people want to help. Yeah, And there's so many good people in this world that really want to help. What was the hardest thing for me was admitting to myself and admitting to God. Yeah, You know, the first question that God asked me in the Bible is, where are you? 
and not talking about a physical location. Mm-hmm. Like, where are you at? All right. Like, where are you? And man, once I answered that question, I got honest with myself and honest with God. I, the floodgates of his mercy, goodness, joy, peace flooded into my life. And, the, you know, the John 10, 10 that I've come to give life and life to the full. Yeah. Like, I finally started to understand a little bit of what that meant. It's just, I, I, I know being a, a church guy, being a bubble guy, right? That first step out of that had to be just overwhelmingly, almost embarrassingly painful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I... I I'm the only person probably in the world that can say this, but COVID was a blessing yeah. because what COVID did to me and not the disease, the virus, certainly not, but the kind of the reaction to COVID of sending everybody to their corners yeah. was a blessing for me mm-hmm. because it took all the distractions away from me and people weren't gathering together anymore. And the, it wasn't the temptation to go out and go to parties and go to the bars because you couldn't do it. Right. And so just, man, like we talked about, your perspective is just everything. And so, yeah, admitting that I was struggling was, I mean, man, it it crushed me. But at the same time, like I said, as soon as I admitted it Mm -hmm. and finally got honest with who I really was and where I really was in life, I felt better. Yeah, It's hard, but I felt better. So I've I've worked with a lot of people who have, have dealt with addiction and and I've seen it firsthand and even experienced it firsthand that those communities, like walking into an AA meeting, is what church is intended to be. Mm-hmm. It's like it's this raw nature of, yes, this is where I'm broken. And other people are like, yes, amen, I'm broken there too. And it's like, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone in this, in this, in this life. Mm. Um, um, a, a couple things. One, um, what was what was your what was your faith journey like back getting to know God? Because I mean, I, I hear when I hear you talk outside of here, even on here, it's like God's a part of your life. It's clear. I know that that was a foundational part that was there, but now you have a relationship with Him. T- tell a little bit about what that journey has been like walking back. And hand in hand with God, and and what you realize through this process, maybe that you've learned about your relationship with God. Yeah, so you know, like I talked about, young in my faith journey, it was a lot of rules and yeah. and stuff like that. And I think I used God as a crutch, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, and certainly for the majority of my life, you know, it was a I didn't study for a test. God, give me the answers. <laughs> I'm praying yeah. for wisdom now. Um, yeah, yeah. And I need it. Um, I say that kind of jokingly, but that really was my relationship with God mm-hmm. um, was kind of this crutch. And now God has become the stretcher. Yeah. Hey, crutch, he's my stretcher. I, I can't do this without him. You know, I'm, he's carrying me everywhere I go. Um, there's nothing better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's popular now in, in um, the, the kind of religion versus relationship yeah. you know, kind of thing is we're, we're swinging over to the relationship side, which I think is a great thing. Um, but there's one key component that's got to get carried over, and it's responsibility. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, talking about with my wife, like, we're in a relationship. But if I treated that relationship without any responsibility, we wouldn't be in a relationship. 
No, you're right. You know, and so that that's a key thing that I've learned um, about this relationship thing is just like, now, uh, I believe it's in John where he says, if, if you love me, comma, you'll obey my commands. Right. Like now, like from a religion, it was I have to. I have to do these things. Right. Relationship tells me I get to. Like, right. Why would I not want to live this way? It's a choice. It's a choice. Because, yeah. because the more I do it, the more I see the fruit in my mm-hmm. life of the peace. Like, you know, Pastor Chris from, from Church of the Highlands says this, and I think it's so true. Like, we're all experiencing the same storm right now, yeah. this COVID. Like, we're all in this storm, but every one of us is having a different experience right? because of the choice. And, like, man, the, the, the peace that God has just thrown into my life. And, I mean, the, the, there's some some things that you can do practically. Mm-hmm. You know, I think something I try to do practically is, you know, give the first 15 minutes of my day to God. Yeah. So when I wake up, just start with, you know, prayer, worship, reading the scriptures, whatever it is. Um, there's definitely some practical things there. But what, what I've learned, I think, over the last, you know, two years is just this communion with God. Yeah. Of, you know, it, it's crazy to think about, but but Jesus said it's to the disciples and John said, it's better if I go away. What? <laughs> Don't better, leave me. Yeah, it's better if you leave. Like, well, what is it? It's it's so he can be everywhere. Right. He's sending the spirit with us that now now we all have that access. Mm-hmm. Whereas when he was here walking around, you know, you had access to him when he was in the same room as you. When he was in the same room, you know, he wasn't there. But now right. he's here, everywhere. And that's just what, what I think my my faith journey has been is going from this kind of this far off kind of God on the throne of want to beat you down and discipline you. And, and he does want to discipline you and all those things, but it is, he's, he wants an intimate relationship with you. Right. And he wants to connect with you. Like he made me Spencer Palmer in a unique way to mm-hmm. connect with him that only I, me and him can connect in that way. All right. And the same for you and the same for anyone who's listening. Like there's so, a uniqueness about you that God wants to connect with you intimately. Yeah. And I, I think that that's kind of where my journey has gotten, of just like, and I, I love listening to worship music. I love listening to podcasts, to people preach. Yeah. And I love reading the word, like, because, like I said, the fruit that fills my life, that's just the peace and the love and the joy. And I'm just such a, a my existence here is just so much better than, than it was when I was kind of choosing the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and right. choosing the tree of life. Right. And that's so well said. I I love how you said even earlier that um, that Jesus walked and he sat and he ate with people. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about. It's this it's this genuine, real connection that that that's that's more than the words are great that we memorize. The scriptures are great; they're very important. But when you put flesh on it, mm-hmm. when it becomes real. When your faith has become, when you've been down this journey you've been on and, and you come back and you're looking from the other side going, holy cow, how am I even alive? Now I've got a story to tell because I've literally walked with Jesus and seen the redemption that's there. Um, you look like you have something else that you wanted to say. <laughs> no, no. Well, I was just going to say like, because there is, um, I don't know how to say it, but like a lot of people think like, well, I don't have that car accident, almost dying right, type right. story. So I haven't come from death to life. And the truth is we've all sinned and fallen short. So we've all died. Yeah. And we all absolutely. have that story. I mean, I just love, I just love asking questions like, tell me your story. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it comes from hearing the word. Like, and I think like, uh, I don't want to get into all the, 
analytical and all that kind of stuff, but just just go with me here and say that Earth's been around around twelve thousand years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can throw different numbers out there, sure, but we'll just just pretend I'm right right now. Um, <laughs> and so been around twelve thousand years. Well, four hundred A.D. is when the first Bible became canonized, right? And so that's about sixteen hundred years. So for ten thousand four hundred years, there was no Bible, right? Like there was no way for people to read yeah. the Bible. Yeah. So it came from the sharing of stories, relationships. The, the relationships. Yes. I think that's the way yeah. it was intended to be. Absolutely. I just, I just love it. Like I love going to get coffee with people, yeah. eating with people, and just hearing their story and hearing how God has come alive in their life. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I totally agree. I'm, I'm a big relationship guy. Um, that's what my whole ministry is really built around. One of the things, speaking of relationships, that you mentioned is along the way when you were in the process of getting sober, you got reintroduced or introduced to somebody that you, you currently are now working with. Tell us a little bit about that relationship. Um, not only your, your work relationship, because that's somehow connected connected to that, but also to the relationship to him that you I know you look up to as a friend and maybe a yeah. mentor. So when I came back to UAH, which I know my story can get confusing a little bit, but when I came back to UAH to coach, he was the character coach. At UAH, so this would have been about 2017. Define character coach, because so yeah, <laughs> um, so he, he was basically the chaplain for the team. Okay, you know he he was at all the practices and games, and he was doing kind of Bible study type stuff with us. Sure, um, he was really just a resource for mm-hmm. if you were struggling um, for our players, mm-hmm. and um, I found out he was there for the coaches too, but I didn't use him. Um, but but it was interesting. <laughs> God, God was always drawing me to him. Yeah. Even in my wild prodigal living, like there was something about me that was drawing me to God mm-hmm. because I was meeting with this other guy named Chris for a Bible study in the mornings. And I was sometimes showing up still drunk, sometimes showing up hungover, but I was still showing up. Sure. I don't even know why. Um, yeah. But I, I think it was God just drawing me. But, you know, Taylor and I would, would talk during the girls' game because the girl would all, girls would always play before us. And we would just have. A lot of times we'd have, you know, you know, spiritual conversations and we just formed a really unique relationship. You mm-hmm. know, again, one of those guys that I was kind of putting on the mask for, um, he probably knew I was struggling a little bit, but not as bad as I really was. And so we met each other that way and I just, you know, I liked him, yeah. you know, and I thought he was weird. You know, I, and I told <laughs> him that, like, I'm like, man, I really thought you were weird. And one of those like <laughs> positive dudes that like, like, just be real, man. Like you can't always be in a good mood. Right. Um, but I, I've learned why he, he was like that. Um, it's because the spirit of God is alive in him. Um, right. And, but uh, in 2020, when I got in that accident and started getting sober and knew I needed to reach out to someone, uh, you know, I, I just give credit where credit's due. You know, the spirit of God was just, his name just popped in my, my mind. And I'm like, man, I'm like, let me just reach out to Taylor. Mm-hmm. And just again, how God works. He he had been character coaching, so he had been doing what he was doing for UAH for about seven years. He had done some work at Bob Jones. He had done mm-hmm. some work at UAH. And when COVID kind of sent everybody to their corners, he started writing down everything that he had really learned about character coaching mm-hmm. and mentoring. Mm-hmm. Because what what he wanted was he was showing up to go get a cup of coffee with these people and like, so how was your week? So he, he wanted more structure to it. Like he wanted them to see some growth. And right. so that was his heart behind it. And um, so he, he wrote this program and um, and I was desperate 
at sure. the time. And he was like, he's like, I've got this program. I'm not really sure if it's any good or not, but do you want to do it? It's like, yeah. So we showed up at, uh, I think cafe 11 or whatever that little coffee shop is in bridge street. And he was like on a legal pad. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had all of his thoughts mm-hmm. together and I'm just sitting up there. And so we start going through this thing and man, I, I was such a emotional decision maker. Sure. You know, and, and still fight it as we all do. But everything that I was doing was based off feelings and circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, if it felt good, do it. If it felt bad, do something to make me feel good. You know, and it wasn't anything healthy. And, and this system helped me, equip me with some biblical principles, you know, the, the God's word that's true, and some actions to start making decisions based off principles and actions as opposed to feelings and circumstances. Right. And as we went... Logic versus emotion. Exactly. Yeah. And so we went through this journey and, you know, back in August, you normally were gearing up for school and I was still coaching at UAH at the time. And um, I realized when I got back to to campus in September when I guess we officially got back that I was like, I don't enjoy being here anymore. Yeah. Um, now, not that I didn't like the people, but I just like... I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what I had done during COVID um, is I, I just started saying yes to every opportunity to serve with the church. Yeah. I was like, just yes. Like, I just, I'm just going all in. I'm going to date Jesus for a little while, and we're just going to be all about Jesus. And uh, I can't remember the Greek word for therapy, but it, it originally meant the what it meant was helping others. Yeah. Like, that's what the Greeks thought therapy was, sure. was, was help others. And, man, I'm not... Amen to that. The Greeks had that right. Like, you start helping others, it's amazing what you get in return. Sure, absolutely. And so, absolutely. Um, I coached that year, and in March, you know, I, I took a took a leap of faith and said, you know, I'm 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 getting out of coaching. I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm going to do. And um, I got engaged in March, so I met my wife in um, July or August of 2020 at 21 <laughs> Days of Prayer. Um, and then, you know, we, we started our little relationship, you know, I followed her on Instagram, you know, trying to be all stealthy and <laughs> I didn't actually reach out to her cause I was like, I'm, I'm dating Jesus. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, and I, I finally, um, someone at the church connected us and we started hanging out, get engaged in March, get married in July. And I remember in July of 2021, um, which I, Years mean nothing to me anymore. I have no idea what year it is. Um, but I do know, I got to remember July 17th of 2021. That, that one's edged in my mind. Um, but I do remember, you know, walking up the stairs yeah. of a church this time, just, you know, 16 months later, full of hope, of peace, yeah, of joy, watching my future wife walk down the aisle. And man, I, I hope I'm conveying this this podcast the emotion because I think it, it, it's it's a God thing of like if He can take me and do that, I'm telling you He can do it for you. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're in a tough spot and you yeah. feel broken, man, like God, God can do it. Yeah. And man, like, ooh, um, so I get married in July and. I guess I don't know where that came from. I have ADD sometimes, but uh, in 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 March, you know, when I, I stepped out to leave coaching, mm-hmm. 
I had a conversation with my dad um, and was like, I'm going to leave coaching. I'm going to leave the – me and Saban were making about the same amount. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> what Saban makes in about 30 seconds was my year salary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and uh, I didn't have a plan. Yeah. And my dad is a very structured yeah, rule. Back to the <laughs> yeah, and so the, um but but he had seen God working in my life. Yeah. And he said, Okay. And um I, I was engaged to Hannah at the time and you know, I don't recommend this, but we had put together a, a little plan as like, hey, if I can just make five hundred dollars a month to our wedding, we can make it work. Yeah. Well, a week after I have that conversation, and this is uh, in April, Taylor, me and Taylor go get coffee. Here comes Taylor Edge again. Yeah. We go get coffee at Panera in Bridge Street, and we're talking, and at the end of the conversation, you know, I've kind of told him what I'm getting ready to do, and mm-hmm. he knows, and kind of what I've done at this point. He's like, man, um, this just can't be. Like, you're on fire for God, like, and you want to help, like – why don't you lead some people through season builder, what he was calling it at the time. Yeah. And I'll give you $500 to do it. I was like, what'd you just say? (laughs) So where'd you get $500 from? Like I was convinced he had talked to Hannah. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that's kind of what your time's worth. I was like, man, so definitely again, (laughs) just a God thing. I was like, man, this is a God thing. And yeah. And so in May we made it official, formed a nonprofit and it's kind of haven't looked back since. Um, and so that's, um, what we're doing now is it's called Season Builder. Yeah. So tell us a little more about Season Builder. Um, so um, Taylor, again, is the uh, the logistics, you know, structure guy. Yeah. I'm learning how to be structured. Um, and so it, it started as just a one-on-one mentoring. You know, that's what he – it was kind of going to be his tool, yeah. like I told you, to mentor people and to, to help people grow. And I was just like, Taylor, like the, – the, the the group aspect of it like there's got to be a way that we can turn this into groups yeah because you know you're either gonna change your environment or change your environment right. you know and I was like right. man like we we've got to give people especially people like me who are coming out of addiction or or just a really broken situation that you know they can't keep going back to that environment mm-hmm. and so we started with a one on one mentoring and then we started offering it in groups and then. With my relationship with Coach Acuff, um, we we had come up with a kind of a culture workshop to help turn what we say your culture from a noun to a verb. Right. So how do we take it to just words on the wall to something that we actually live out? Mm-hmm. And you know, so that, that those are the three outlets that we have. So we had the one-on-one mentoring, the groups, and then we have the team workshops. Yeah. And basically, all, all it is is it, it's just a it, it's trusted friendship and guidance. And what we say is we want to equip you with a system to help you grow into who God made you to be. Right. And that's really, I mean, as simple as that sounds, that's really what we do. I don't, I mean, so, so what's funny is as simple as that sounds, we don't do it. Yeah, true. I mean, but obviously there's a need for it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that we're having to form a nonprofit to kind of fill in where churches are missing mm-hmm. almost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, it, it, it is very, like you say, simple, but we're not doing it. So um, I, I just, you know, I felt in my life that um, with with this God's story and what what He's done in my life, like if I can just help speak into these these young people who, like, where my heart really is, and it's like the bars are open seven days a week, 
from three in the afternoon till three in the morning. Yeah. The church is open for an hour on Sunday. Yeah. Is it a shock that there's more people at a bar than a church? Well, no. Yeah. You know, so like my heart is to, and I, I get it, the church is the people, but like, like how can we mobilize these conversations and start practicing this hospitality right. and giving kids a choice? Like just give them a choice. Like, cause right now I, and I, I just don't think kids think that there's a choice. All like right. what else am I going to do on Friday night or yeah. Saturday? Yeah. And what, I mean, this is what everyone's doing. And so that was, that was really my heart. Um, is how can we start having just being hospitable and, and, you know, not just, you know, and there's nothing wrong with just getting together and talking and hanging out, but how can we help people start taking this journey? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not really a, uh, an issue of salvation, you know, in, in what we're doing. It's more of like, how, how do we start living this faith out? Yeah. You know, how, how do we, how do we grow? Like, cause God, God wants the abundant life for us. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't earn salvation, but there is something you have to do for the abundant life. Yes. You know, obedience yeah. requires action. You can't just, you know, sit there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, how can we start equipping people to have a system and a framework to kind of live this out? Yeah. It's this churchy word known as discipleship. Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, these uh, in, intentional relationships that are, you know, Jesus, Jesus called them disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really cool. I, one of my favorite thing about this podcast, I don't, I don't like having to sit down and do the recording stuff. I don't like trying to edit it, but I love hearing the stories mm-hmm. because as you said it earlier, it's like we, we all have a story. Even if our life hasn't been, you know, I've wrecked twice and almost died, should have died twice, you know, and, and now finally I turned it back around only because of God. Okay. But we do all have a story and we all have the ability to use our relationships with people to effectively share the God's story. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because that's what we view our curriculum, so to speak, as is, hey, have you ever written a book? Most people are like, no. Um, well, this is your book. Yeah. Because this, this really, and man, what, what is so crazy about is that we would all agree we live in the most selfish generation of all time. Absolutely. Like we're the most me focused. But yeah. yet, interesting, we won't spend an hour a week on ourselves. Yeah. It, it's a paradox. Yeah. And so like when we ask these young people, hey, have you ever spent time like thinking about what you want out of life? Like mm-hmm. who God really made you? Well, no. But yet we say we're selfish. And so it, it's a paradox. Yeah. Um, but like it, it's amazing what these young people and it's not just for young people. You know, we've, we've taken 55, 60 year olds through it. Um, but it's amazing what if you really just sit down and allow God to speak through you and write it down. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm telling you, it, it, it's um, it, it's sad. It's real. But. I, mean, I would say, you know, ninety percent of the people that we sit down with, and there's, well, there's a area of it of what's holding you back that we talk, take them through, and ninety percent of the people, it's fear. Yeah, you know, there's just some kind of fear in their life that's holding them back from being who God created them to be. Yeah, and it's it's amazing what can happen if if you just sit down and spend some time, you know, thinking about your life and and just have someone kind of guide you mm-hmm. and, and kind of what, what you'll come up with. And, and man, we've just seen so many people, so many awesome testimonies of, of how, you know, God has kind of worked in their life and how they've, one girl has, it's even helped her with her anxiety. Sure. Um, just some simple stuff, you know, because I'm not smart enough for all the science and all that. There's plenty of people in Huntsville that could figure that out, but sure. you know, you can't be anxious and have gratitude at the same time. Right. 
you know, there's a, some kind of science study that, that proved that. Yeah. And so it's just, it, it's equipping people, like I said, with a system to help them. And it's not like, like with Taylor, like, man, I used to always think like, you were so annoying. Like, why are you so positive? Yeah. Like, do you ever have a bad day? And these principles, what we call them, these things that we say to ourselves, these biblical truths yeah. that we say aren't to make you feel better, that are make you respond better. Right. It's like, I don't always wake up and feel great. You know, sometimes I go to bed so excited. Like tonight when Alabama wins the national championship, right. I'll go to bed fulfilled, right. happy and excited. Right. But I may wake up, you know, in a horrible mood and not know yeah. why. Yeah. So what am I saying to myself? Yeah. You know, and, and it's not to make me feel better, but it's to make me respond better. Sure. And, Absolutely. Uh, we, we've just found, man, kids, kids love it. Young people love it when they start seeing some growth. You know, yeah. We all love when we start seeing some growth. And so, man, it's it's been such a joy and just so blessed and honored and thankful to to get to do this with Taylor. And who knows what, what God will do with it, but we're just taking it one day at a time. Ah, oh, it's so good. It's so good. I appreciate the work that y'all are are doing. I appreciate that you're listening to the voice of God and leading you through this. If you had, if uh, if you you had one one thing to leave with people, what would you want to leave with those listening that you've learned along the path? Yeah, that's a tough question, um, but I, I would just say that you know you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. I just think in my life, you know, the, the the mountain to climb just got so high and so high and so high and just <clears throat> felt like, what's the point in trying to, to change? Yeah. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just have a strong sense that maybe someone's listening to this and I just want to, you can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not only can you do it, but God's going to do it. Right. God's going to do it in your life. If, if you'll just, if you'll take the one step, he'll take the 99. Yeah. You know, and just allow him, and you said one thing, and here I am saying about 30 things. That's all right. If, if you'll just allow him into your life, yeah, it is amazing what he can do. Because I'm telling you, and the people, maybe someone will listen to this podcast that knew me before, and will say, who in the world is this guy? Yeah. I'm just telling you, if you knew who I was before, you know, you would say, man, that, that there ain't no way. And you're right. There is no human way but God. Mm-hmm. You know, and man, and he's just, he's real. You know, Jesus was a, was a. There's more historical evidence that Jesus lived than Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus was a real person, and he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And man, he you can have an abundant life here. Yeah, and that's exactly why we decided to do this podcast. Is because because we realize as people start telling their stories, they realize that there is there's more, and they can do it. You know, they're not alone. And 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 part of the big process too here is that. You have a story, and if you were to try to tell that story without the support of those around you that have walked you, walked alongside of you, you know, those, those people that you've mentioned all through this process that were there for you when you were at your lowest, that's what the church is intended to be, is for us to be genuine, real people walking alongside of each other so that when we fall or when we start to fall, we have that support. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because, you know, if you're out there listening to this and... No, because as soon as you pick up that phone, the lies that will start coming into your head. Oh, absolutely. No, make the phone call. Yeah. Send the text. Absolutely. Just do it. Because yeah. I'm just, man, I'm telling you, there's so many good people out there that want to help and uh. they can help. Um, 
So tell us if there are some people listening that want to donate to the nonprofit. Uh, tell them how put that information out there for us so that well, Taylor's going to fire me because I don't know off the top of my head. Um, oh, no. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but if you go to seasonbuilder.org, um, we have a website and there's links there that will will send you to and and we we call it you know investing in an investment because what what we like to say is you know you're making an investment in the future generation, mm-hmm. and and I really do believe that man this this generation I know they catch a lot of flack and maybe I'm part of it maybe I'm not I don't really know where I fall kind of in a weird <laughs> born at a weird time like kind of not technology but technology so I don't really know where I fall but man th- this generation man these kids are so smart mm-hmm. and so talented and so just I mean gifted. Yeah, and I really do think, man, there's a strong revival that's getting ready to happen. They just need some confidence and some some wisdom from some older people to, sure. to kind of give them the confidence to do it. Yeah, and so that that's why we exist. Really, is is you know to like I said, equip these young people to to go out and live and become who God created them to be. Um, so if, if you feel led to invest in that, you know, please do. If if you know Taylor and I personally or whatever, you know, and we can connect you with several other nonprofits in the community that are doing. Um, some amazing work. Yeah. That if because what what we really want is we want people to invest in us that feel connected to this. Right. If you don't feel connected to this, that's okay. But what do you feel connected to, and let us connect you with them. Mm-hmm. Um, because man, like, um, the, there's so like I said, like the twenty eight twenty. You know, yeah. there's just so sure. many good things going on, uh, kingdom minded stuff going on in the city. That man, I, I would love to help get you connected. With with a place where you can you know bless somebody financially. Absolutely. In other words, do something. Yeah, do something. Yeah, do something. Well, Spencer, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you being willing to come in and share your story. Um, I, I know God is using your story to impact lives. I know that He'll use this podcast. Um, I know He continues to use our stories, and that's you know what you what you said about our stories being this book. Uh, I love that you're willing to read your book to us. And mm-hmm. I know that God's still writing more in your book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know, especially in this new chapter with a wife. Um, but uh, I know that God will continue to use you. I'd love to I'd love to pray over you uh, as we wrap up. Is there is there anything else you had that you wanted to say? No, I, again, I'm just so thankful for, for you guys doing this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is an awesome... You know, tool. I know we were talking kind of off air before that you didn't really understand podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's kind of yeah. it's more a my generation thing. But uh, you know, this is just an amazing. You guys are, are taking the time to do this to to let people share their story because um, you never know. And I, I know we've gone for a while, and I'll I'll stop talking after this. No I promise. Problem. No problem. Um, but w- Taylor worked with a guy who made a Facebook post. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about him overcoming depression in his life. And someone read that Facebook post that did not know this guy. And now he's, we're going through him or we're working with him in season builder. Yeah. And so I, I say that just to say like, just a, a kudos to you guys. Like you just never know right. just by being obedient, the ripple effect that your obedience is going to have. So nice. I, I'm just so thankful for what you guys are doing. Absolutely. Well, um, let me just, let me just take a minute and pray. God, I'm thankful for Spencer. I'm thankful that one that you brought him to 2820 where we had the opportunity to meet him, but not only that, how you're using him and his story of not only brokenness but healing, uh, his story and his history of foundation 
and how you uh, have brought that full circle, Father. There are so many people that uh, that live in our world that are walking in just broken lives, and they don't know what to do. So, Father, I pray that you provide more people to uh, influence that they can encounter. And, uh, Father, but just a special blessing today over Spencer, his new family that he's created with his wife, and, Father, this work that he's working in. I pray that your kingdom continues to grow. As through Jesus we pray. Amen. Again, thanks for being with us today. Um, stories of brokenness, struggles, failures, and sin help others know that they are not alone and that while we as a church are imperfect and broken, God has the ability to take our stories and to make them into a story that shines a light back on Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. It's our hope that the people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your story if you're willing to share it. We'd appreciate any of your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast, and you can leave those comments and feedback at unbrokenjars at gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experience of real-life stories and real faith you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.